Our text today comes from... Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. continues with the uh, gospel of Matthew that Ken has been carrying us through over these weeks. Uh, my text today is Matthew 4, 18 through 22. It's the calling of the disciples. The four fishermen are called. Hear now the reading of God's word. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. When he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. May God add his blessings uh, to the reading of this, his holy word. As we uh, have this passage before us, one of the things that impressed me as I looked in the commentaries over the week, uh, in the days leading up to our time together today, was the stressing that each of the commentary sources had that these were ordinary persons. These were just hard-working fishermen. They had, now in the case of the Zebedees, the children of the Zebedee, uh, they had their own business. And not uncommon for that to be the case. Uh, they were hard-working. They took the task of making a living, a good living, on the Sea of Galilee as their calling, as their duty, uh, and they did the work that was necessary. If you were to see them, you would not say of them, they are extraordinary people. Look at them. They are strong, and they are handsome, and they are erudite, and they are special. No, you just see fishermen doing what fishermen do, making their living. And as I thought about this, I was impressed in the back of my mind that there was a piece of music that came to me that I wanted to go look it up. So I went to uh, Google and uh, uh, put in uh, these words. Uh, it's, so, it's no secret what God can do. That was the word that was in my mind. And I said, you know, I think that might be a good word for our time together today. So I'm going to play a little bit of this music because I think what it does, it makes clear the message. What he's done for me, he'll do for you. We're all in this together. This is Jim Reeves singing. I hope. <laughs> Chimes of time bring out the news and others. 
day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you You may have longed for an Be healed. <laughs> I, could, I could go on, but um, I, I thought that first stanza was the message that needed to be said, that what he's done for others, he'll do for you. And there's no barrier between you and God. And that's really what Jesus was saying when he called these ordinary fishermen to come and be his disciples. Now, Jesus grew up in a working home. I've learned that the word that's used for carpenter could just as his father was considered to be a carpenter, but he could just as easily have been considered to be a stonemason because the availability of timber was very scarce, very expensive, but stone was plentiful. So when the passages referred to Joseph as a carpenter, it could easily be understood that he was working with stone and plying his trade. Jesus was his son, and as his son in the custom of that day, he learned uh, the skills of his father. And he was known as Jesus, the son of Joseph the carpenter, and everyone would have assumed that he made his living in the craft of stonemasonry and using wood as was necessary. He might have made furniture with wood, that would have been something that would have been a part of his business, uh, chairs, tables, such as that. But primarily, the commentaries refer to uh, Joseph as a person who most likely worked in stone. And Jesus knew hard work. He'd grown up in a working man's house. He had assumed that this would be uh, a necessary work for him. These fishermen were equally hardworking persons. Uh, can you imagine pulling one of those heavy nets in that had been sunk into the Sea of Galilee waters, would have had lead weights on them, they would have had the net made with rope strong enough to hold the catch, and also to be saturated with water, which would have added to its weight. So these were strong men. These were persons who knew how to handle themselves. They were hard workers. When you're thinking about this business of being fishermen, uh, there are so many skills that are a part of that. Uh, one of them has to deal with uh, patience. You know, you, I went fishing with my brother one time. We were out on the lake. Uh, we threw our lines over. 
I knew nothing about this business. He's the outdoorsman. Uh, and so I just started talking. And I was talking and talking and talking. And Harvey, my brother, looked at me. He said, Harvey, you can't talk. You're going to scare the fish away. Shut up. <laughs> so, so I said, Harvey, Harvey, I can't talk. I don't want to be here. <laughs> this is, you mean I can't talk? No, you scared the fish away. I said, oh, okay. Patient, you got the line in, right? You're patient. You're waiting for this to go. Perseverance, you go back out again. If you don't catch fish today, what do you think? You catch some more tomorrow. Uh, you catch fish. That's what, they were patient. They were persevering persons. Uh, do you remember reading in the Gospels when they were out on the Sea of Galilee and a squall came up? Jesus was in the back of the boat catching 40 winks, okay? The other fellows in the boat who were fishermen and who knew how to manage a boat, they thought they were done. They thought it was over. And so they yelled to Jesus, Master, Master, don't you care that we perish? So Jesus woke up from his slumber, looked around him and said, Peace, be still. Now that startled them and they said, Surely this is the Son of God. Now, that would probably settle somebody's questions about whether or not this was indeed the master of creation. But they were on the water. It took great courage every day to get in that boat and subject yourself to what might be the weather or might even be what would go wrong with your boat. But courage is necessary. You got to know when to drop the net. You got to know when and where to drop the net. So these men were skilled with making, taking the most of every moment. When they were out there and they saw the action on the water where the fish might be, that's where their net went. And by the way, their net was a big circular operation with weights. It would go down and, and just come down upon the school of fish and then they would pull it out a la bell fashion. So the fish would be in the bell, as it were, and hauled onto the boat with all that weight, if it were a successful catch. And the weight of the sinkers, the weight of the heavy rope that was saturated, very, very heavy. But they knew when to do it. They also knew which tools to use. Sometimes they would use the net. Sometimes they would use a drag net, which would be a net pulled between two boats not the TV program with the funny music, but they would have a boat, two boats, and they would pull the net through the water and cap fish as the net went through the water, pull it up together. Once again, a very uh, difficult task requiring great strength. Uh, they knew this was their business. They were also uh, people who were just like making a living. There wasn't anything special about them that they thought of themselves. They were just fishermen, ordinary persons. And can you imagine the God of creation walking before them with whom they had already been visiting. They came out of John the Baptist's ministry when Jesus was there and they left John the Baptist and went and had conversation with Jesus. They listened, they talked, they knew him. So when he found them on the Sea of Galilee, this wasn't something that just came down the street. Jesus looking up says, oh, there's four guys. I think I'll pull my, I think I'll pull them into my work. No, he knew the conversation that had taken place with them. 
and he knew their honest hearts. He knew their integrity before God. He knew that these were ordinary persons whose, um, can you say, uh, their feet was in clay? They were just real people, not perfect, real people. Uh, they weren't even perfect after they'd been with Jesus for a while. We're going to talk about that a bit. But anyway, uh, these persons, were they had the qualities that it took to be successful in business. These are what I would call today, we call them transferable skills. You know, you're, you have a job that you've done for a number of years and you think it's time to move on. And so you begin to think about, well, you know, what are my, what are really are my skills? Well, um, in, in terms of ministry thing, ministers have a, a wealth of skills that nobody recognizes. They think we just stand in front of the pulpit and do our thing every Sunday. But we are also managers of budgets. We're also dealing with human resources. We're also dealing with creative responsibilities for designing programs. A lot of transferable skills that are a part of the ministry calling uh, that nobody really recognizes that's there, but it's there. So when if I were had if I had had an interest in going into another profession, I would have been able to write a resume that talked about budgeting, talked about human resources, that talked about writing curriculum, talked about public speaking, talked about dealing with problems and problem people. I would have had all those skills as transferable to the task. <clears throat> when Jesus was working with his disciples, he wanted them to be the kind of persons who would always uh, be looking uh, for opportunity. You know, that's what fishermen do. They're out in the water. They throw their net where they see the fish are sort of schooling, sort of troubling the tops of the water. That's where they want to be, looking for the opportunity to be faithful. Uh, what did... Uh, our brothers say uh, when uh, Ken came into uh, Panera's with a funny hat, a, a very pretty straw hat, got a compliment. And, you know, Ken, Ken saying, well, you know, my name's Ken Bear. This is my wife, Carol. Uh, we have a ministry at, the cel at, at Celebrations uh, Windsor facility, the retirement community there. Let me tell you about it. I'm sure that's what he did in the course of conversation, the give and take of that. And then he heard this guy say, well, I'm a musician and I've done, I've done worship leadership in other places. And Ken is thinking, <laughs> okay, may I talk with you about coming and helping us in our ministry. And fortunately, the good brother was open to that. He had experience in leading worship. He was familiar from the heart of singing the songs of the faith. And so Ken just said, okay, opportunity, light goes off. Let me circle the wagons around you and get you into my circle of um, working here. Uh, Ken, undoubtedly, when he spoke, he spoke of the Christian focus of this ministry. Uh, we're not here doing good deeds although it's delightful to be with our dear friends and to be helpful and encouraging, uh, but we're not social workers. We're gospel people. We're people who share the good news of the gospel in our opportunities in this facility. And that's what Jesus made his disciples uh, be aware of. That was their calling, to be that kind of a person and to use the tools that are available to use. Now, what do we have here? We have this screen that's here. What do I have here? This cell phone that on Google gave me the 
not only the person, but Jim Reeves as the singer, who, by the way, had a beautiful baritone voice. You know, I'm not into country music, but if I had a record that he did, I might listen to it more than once because he had a beautiful voice, beautiful voice. Uh, so we use the tools. That's what these guys did. They use whatever was there and whatever opportunities they had. Jesus taught them to do that. Uh, do you remember when he was traveling uh, in his ministry? Uh, the woman at the well just took advantage of that moment, uh, took advantage of his ability to ingratiate himself to people and to disarm them. That woman at the well spoke with Jesus and he gave her a clear word that he was the Christ that they were looking for. And she got good news that day. You know, that was, he just used the opportunity that was before him with the tools that were his, just waiting. Uh, and these disciples, they didn't make followers of them. They didn't have the first church of Peter. They didn't have the first church of John. They didn't have the first church of Alfonso. It wasn't built around their personality, but it was built around Jesus. It was Jesus that they were talking about. How do we see this coming about in the life of these disciples, the characteristics that constitute their ministry? On the day of Pentecost, when they were gathered in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came down and people spoke in different languages and people heard their own tongue from strangers. They knew that this was a phenomenal event. They knew this was so. It was startling to them. The word got out that these people are just drunks continuing the nighttime party from all over the places. And what did Peter stand up to say with clarity? Wait a minute. Do you know what time of day it is? It's too early for these people to be drunk. You people have missed it. Let me help you understand. And then therein lies Peter's first sermon where he preached to those people that day that this was a work of God, that this was something long promised in the scriptures, that God's spirit would fall upon a diversity of persons and they would bear witness to the love, grace, and mercy of God in their time. He also spoke of what the ministry of the Holy Spirit would be, which would be to lift up Jesus. And he went and gave them a clear understanding of what had happened in those days. He told them without reservation, you put Jesus with others on the cross according to God's plan. He was on the cross. He died on that cross, not with no purpose, pardon my double negative, but he died purposefully, so Peter would say. He died for the forgiveness of sins. Three days he was in the tomb and then he rose and he appeared to many and then he ascended to the right hand of God. This was the gospel message that Peter gave that day and it pricked the hearts of those people by the power of the Holy Spirit and they say, brother, what must we do to be saved? And his word to them was repent, and believe, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you also. They did. And what came about from that day? The building up of a community of believers in Jerusalem that gathered together in the name of Christ, gathered together, sharing commonly their resources. It wasn't communism. It wasn't socialism. It was the work of the Holy Spirit so that everyone felt included within that assembly. 
They listened to the teaching of the apostles and they continued in the ministry. And the 3,000 people that had been converted from Peter's preaching continued on. And then therein lays a model for ministry that is operative even in today's church. We have the preaching of the word. We have the sharing of life together. We have the good things that come to us because we are the people of God together. And we also share in what it means to travel in this journey with wherever it takes us. Paul was a preacher, given, converted from deep roots within Judaism. But the Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and that man that day began the journey toward his Christian faith, his Christian ministry, his Christian usefulness to God. And he built churches. He was in jail in Philippi. And he and his friend were singing, singing hymns to the praise of God. That was really weird because they were in jail and it wasn't pretty. But the gates flew open and they were ready to walk away. What did the jailer think? But this is the end of me and my family. You don't lose prisoners in a Roman garrison. It doesn't happen. So he asked Paul what was going on. And Paul led him to the Lord. He and his whole family built a church in Philippi. Preaching of the gospel. Building of community. And with the sure and confident knowledge that the Holy Spirit is with you in wherever you go. This is what disciples of Jesus are involved in building up the preaching of the gospel, building up the community of faith, and building up each other so that when there are times of need, you don't walk away. You stand there and you're with them. What did he say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. This is what he wrote to the church at Philippi. I will say it again. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord's near. And what I want you to do is not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Make those requests known to God. And what will be your experience? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. They were available to each other in more than just the public sort of identity as Christians. They were truly present, encouraged by Paul to open their hearts to each other in their times of stress, in their times of anxiety. That's what it meant. That's what Paul was attempting to do at the church at Philippi. He had preached the gospel among them. He had brought them to faith so that they became a community. And then he encouraged them to share in this journey together. Disciples are persons who focus not on themselves, but on the risen Christ. Disciples are those who lead others to a faith in whatever ways they can, and they point always to the risen Jesus. They also are present for each other in ways that let it be known that God is among us, that we are trusting his presence with us. When we think about our ministry here at Celebration, we think about our ministry here at the Windsor, isn't that exactly why we're here on Sunday morning? Y'all people got out of bed you left your warm bed and come to this cold world out here. Brother says, I've never been so cold in a building in my life. You did that. Why? Because you want to make a witness in this community that the people of God gather and they gather around the word of God. They gather around the peace of God. They gather around what it's like to be together. 
And it doesn't stop here on Sunday morning, but it goes throughout your week as you meet each other and care for each other and join with each other. And whatever your experience might be. Uh, I had a birthday last week. Amazing. Turned 74, marked 75 years. And I, my buddies and I, we marvel at this because when we were growing up, if somebody was 75 years and we knew it, we always kept an eye open for the hearse or the ambulance. Because you know, we figured they'll be, about, they'll be about dead. 75 years and my wife and I, we're still here. We're still vertical. We're still moving. We're grateful for each and every day to do that which God has called us to do. That's an amazing, wonderful gift. And y'all share that together. Whatever strengths you have, you live to the praise, honor, and glory of the risen Christ. You do that as a community of faith and you care for one another. And I've seen it in the two years, in the years that we've been here. I've seen all those marks of this gathering of folk that the Windsor very graciously gives permission to use their facilities for. It's every bit a good thing for them. Every bit a good thing for them. But it's every bit a good thing and better for you because you get to be the people of God together. And to hear that word, what he's done for me, he will do for you. And that's what it means to be the people of God together as disciples of Christ. Confident that what he's done for me, he will do for you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks. This You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors a Ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.